Ready, Dave? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants. About who? I said about They Might Be Giants. Who are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that, that was Dave Fox. Uh, Say my name, Dave. Jordan Cooper. This is part six of Flood. You thought Flood was dead, but Flood is back. You thought Flood was done, but the Flood remains. This is part six of our introspective, obsessive... Extravaganza. Extravagant. (laughs) We're going to go back to the first track on Flood. In case we missed anything. Yeah, we actually did miss a few things about Flood. So first thing is I want to open up the letterbox and discuss a very important and exciting email. A bombshell. That our friend Daniel uh, sent to us. I never know what you find when you open up your letterbox. So it's something that we neglected to mention for the song. That you neglected to mention. (laughs) For the song Minimum Wage. And I think this is a big deal. Daniel writes, back in the day, I would play lots of TMBG and my parents got to hear a lot of it. And when they heard minimum wage, they assumed implicitly that it was a, quote, parody of Mule Train. Let's play a clip from Mule Train. This is from 1947. And I think you won't be able to deny that it had some effect on that song. I couldn't deny it. You So just some information, Mule Train is a popular song written by Johnny Lang, High Heath, Ramblin' Tommy, four people wrote the song, Ramblin' Tommy (laughs) Scott and Fred Glickman. wonder if that was on his birth certificate, Ramblin'. Ramblin', yeah. So, uh, and the the song, the version that you're hearing is performed by Buzz Butler. I love these names. People don't get named like that anymore, man. It's all, you know, uh, Hunter and (laughs) Cyrus. Where are the Buzz Butlers of the world now? It's all Aiden. <laughs> There's some contention well, on the Wikipedia well, page. So the Wikipedia page is confusing because it lists those four writers and then it says the original version, which we played a clip of, is by Buzz Butler, who was the original writer of the song. <laughs> it's like, so who's the writer? I don't know. Please excuse our appearance. But anyway, besides all that, the point is this song from 1947. It Mule sounds Train, like minimum wage. <laughs> it really sounds like minimum wage is a ex- extremely clever reference to this song. The way the even the phrasing is similar. So the way he says mule train and minimum wage. You train. Like they both start with an M, they both mm-hmm. end with the A noise, and then you've got the the yell and the whip noise. It would be it would actually shock me if it wasn't a reference to Mule Train. And knowing Flansburg's um eclectic musical tastes. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like this is exactly what he's referencing. And it's really makes the song even funnier because Mule Train is just, 
he's whipping the mules that are pulling this cart or whatever. It's a cowboy song. Comparing that to what it's like to be a minimum wage worker. Mm, you're is, all cattle. Is funny. Um, this would have been great in our minimum wage segment where we just made fun of Sinatra for <laughs> 15 minutes. I think it is what it was meant to be. Don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> but so I, I hope you guys found this interesting. We felt it was our duty to get the word out yeah. to all of you people. I wanted to get this out as soon as possible. I think it's extremely interesting. Jordan felt very guilty. It makes me, it did, <laughs> I did, it really bothered me. Uh, I really, it makes Sleepless me... Sleepless nights. Yeah, I don't think it would be possible to get everything that they could ever put in those... Yeah, I bet, I bet a lot of it is like inside jokes and stuff. Yeah. I mean, they've said in interviews, like, there's no hidden whatever, but I, I think there are. <laughs> and it's like we're always finding more. Yeah, which is why we do this show. I mean, part of the whole point of the show is, like, I I don't think there's a lot of bands you could do a show like this for. Yes. And that was kind of when I realized that, that's what inspired me to want to do it, which is there's just not a lot of other bands, even bands I love, there's not that much to say. <laughs> There's not this level of, of stuff to say about a song and where you're getting all those references and things to TV shows and other, you know, I think that's what makes them special. So this mule train thing is really exciting for me. I was, I was both jumping up and down, but also like, God, I wish we, we, we knew that already, but we, you know, we can't know everything. Well, you'll get them next time. What we're talking about today is, uh, the Istanbul single, which contains several B-sides on Flood. Not just the Istanbul single, but a few other surprises too. We're basically going into the songs left off of Flood and songs that were not on Flood, but were made around that time. Is this correct, <laughs> Dave? Right? You sound like you have something to say. <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure. I just want everyone to understand. Let's they're be confused. <laughs> Where's Birdhouse? I want to say. Let's be clear, people. Let's be clear. This so is when, the B-Sides episode. When bands make albums. Yeah, the B-Sides. <laughs> I could have just said that. Yeah. This is the B-Sides. You all know what music is. I enjoy talking about B-Sides with Dave because it's sort of this uh, endlessly interesting and fun thing to discuss because... You know, like we've said before, a lot of B-sides are like our favorite songs. And then it's like, well, then why not on album? And sometimes you could understand why, but then I'm interested in that. I'm interested in songs that don't have a home, but are amazing songs. That's so sad. It is sad. These are little orphan, little orphan annies. Well, so what's the first orphan? The first orphan is a song that some of you may have heard of. I, I, so I think we, we've, there's, there's, they might be Giants fans like us <laughs> or like me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think me and Dave are on a similar tier. We both kind of know all the same stuff. Yeah. And then there's like casual, they might be Giants fans, whatever that means. And I think the casual fans maybe have some or most albums, but don't go into all the obsessive stuff. So this is an episode that I hope they listen to so that they actually... Why won't they listen? <laughs> the world won't listen. I think, uh, I think they, they might get even more out of this than the fans who know the songs. But the first track... I say they'll get less. Or rather, you know, track two on the Istanbul EP, because track one is Istanbul, is a song called James K. Polk. Polk. In 1844, the Democrats were split.
So even though most people have probably heard the factory showroom version first. Yeah. Even people who might not be, they might be Giants fans. I feel like it's a right. song people play for other people. Like, check this weird song out. But this one chronologically came out first. Okay, yeah, this is what's important. This came out in 1990. The Istanbul single came out June 5th, 1990. And Factory Showroom was 1996. 1996. And it's an interesting thing for me when a band takes a B-side and resurrects it. But we're going to kind of not talk about the Factory Showroom version in this episode because there's a lot to say about that version in the future future episode which i would realistically guess might be next year but you have to figure most people have only heard that version right i'm pretty sure i heard this version like way after that and i was quite shocked at how different it was yeah um quite uh, this was the first one i heard because it was on a so you heard it in order yeah roughly it was on a cassette of rarities and b-sides that i think are my friend sarah uh sent me back then you almost said our and well, I was like, well, maybe now. Yeah. Best friends. So she sent me like all these, you know, rarities, B-sides, like when I talked about how it had Christmas cards on it and just all this stuff that uh, to me was was as as great as any They Might Be Giants song on any album. Like I didn't really separate the, these. I was just so excited to dig into this new band that I loved. So a lot of people love the Factory Show version or only know it, but also mm-hmm. a, a lot of They Might Be Giants fans who were around at the time, who are sadly not around anymore, <laughs> R.I.P. Long dead. This was a fan favorite track. Like, fans love this. I do have, like, a lot of uh, clips from live shows where fans are yelling out for this song in, like, mm. 1992. Chainscape folk anymore. We uh, it just got too heavy, too strange. When we do the factory showroom episode, we're gonna go into like the evolution of that live version that is now what they play because there's actually some interesting things that I wonder happened. what the world will be like <laughs> at that time. Yeah, what does the future hold? Because this is when John Linnell wrote the song. I'm like very. I'm always interested in where his head is at where Flansburg's uh, reactions were at. I don't know. I'm just interested in, in how this all happened. So we're going to dig into that. Uh, bef- before uh, anything, I guess I'll ask you, Dave, like mm. hearing this version second, it- it's kind of a shock, <laughs> I have to say. No, it was very different than the version I was used to. Mm-hmm. It was a lot more electronic sounding. I mean, it's a basically a completely different arrangement. And I don't know what I liked better. Yeah, that's a tough one for me, too, because this one has... I like them both in different ways. Yeah. Like um, children. <laughs> this one has that... Like children, this one has that <laughs> classic 90s... <laughs> this one has that classic They Might Be Giants feel, like, from this era, and mm-hmm. that's always something very special to me. When They Might Be Giants put out, like, a rare song, you know, like, oh, we just found this for their fans, you know. Uh, if it's something that's post like 95, 96, I'm like not as excited as if it's something from the mm-hmm. older era. I, I don't know if that's fair, but... Do you think it sounds too good? Yeah, that's that's true too. There There is like a... Follow the money. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yes. Um, that's funny you say that because we're going to... Talking about in, money. We're going to get into that that topic money. In, a little, in a little bit. But anyway, yeah... Um, listening to this version of the song is is a shock it's 
I don't know if it's that the tempo is slower or if it's a rhythmic thing, but there's a rhythm to it that's like... Dun, dun, I think dun, the tempo's dun. slightly slower. It, it's slower, but there's just something I well, noted... Well, it's a halting drum pattern. It's very stiff. Yeah. It's really, really stiff. There's no... And I think, by the way, I'm going to say this is... Don't point your finger at me. <laughs> I think this is... I'll put my I'm a fist. <laughs> I don't like gestures. I think this is intentional, how stiff this is. Uh, there's something very stiff about everything about the song, especially the lyrics, which Do you is, think it's because it's presidential? <laughs> yeah, it's presidential, exactly. So let, let's get into why John Linnell wrote the song. So something that's interesting is that he was inspired by someone else to write this song. Mm -hmm. And let's hear about that. Okay. I was helping my daughter review for a, a history test. She's a junior in high school, and they're studying um, late 19th century American history. Wow. And I was like feeding her facts off uh, an outline that she had, and she was telling me stuff. And we got to that part, and I'm going, man, this is like so familiar. I know this. <laughs> right. I know this. Independent <laughs> Treasury. I know that. Right. And right. she's going, it's the giant song. I went, oh, of course. You guys got all See, the that's, history that's down. That's the thing. Man. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's the legacy of the late, great Johnny Horton, who wrote history songs in the late 50s. And actually, around the time John and I were born, he had a big hit with the Battle of New Orleans. Battle of New Orleans, yeah. People memorized facts that they didn't want to know <laughs> because of a pop song. took a little trip along with Colonel Jackson down the mighty Mississippi. We took a little bacon and we took a little beans and we caught the bloody British in a town in New Orleans. We fired our guns and the British kept a coming. There wasn't as many as there was a while ago. We fired once more and they began to run it on down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico. So Johnny Horton, who Linnell is, I think he's a big fan of because he mm -hmm. also covered Johnny Horton's North to Alaska. Yeah, I was going to ask. The name sounded familiar. Yeah. There's a uh, Johnny Horton cover. Um, Johnny Horton wrote history songs, and he wrote a song called North to Alaska. Way up north, way up I think John Linnell found it interesting, the idea of writing a song full of historical facts, which then leads one to memorize the facts, mm -hmm. as I think every They Might Be Giants fan can attest to, uh, including myself. And there's just something, I think there's something amusing about that to him. <laughs> I think it's important to say, I don't think he's trying to help people. <laughs> Right. Well, who that. wants to help anyone? Yeah. Are they in it to entertain or to educate? For us, I think songs are not remedial. They're not for helping people. You know, I don't think a song is for helping people. I think it's. I think it's for. It's. You know. I mean, this sounds very pretentious, but I can't think of a simpler way to say this, which is, I think a song is, is a is a part of you know the world of art, which is not really about improvement you know uh, i don't think songs are necessarily good for you you know but they but they're good and that's something that everybody recognizes a good song is something that people can agree on you know there's something ab about a good song that that everybody recognizes and notices and that's that's you know really what it's all about for us trying to get to that 
not that he's a bad guy, but there's right. there's just something. I think their motive for the song isn't like we're gonna teach people about James K. Polk. Well, one of the one of the things that occurred to me when I was listening to I, I don't know I what to ish. what to call them. Maybe the instructional songs isn't right. really what you're <laughs> the label that you're looking for. But uh, James Ensor and the sun is a mass of incandescent gas and mammals and mm-hmm. I was thinking about Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, we do have we do have those songs. That's not a big part of our whole repertoire, but that has been identified with us. People often associate that particular slice of what we do with with our scene. You know that we do remedial songs. You know, we've gotten many letters <laughs> of people telling us how how helpful. Those songs were in like a midterm exam, you know, when. Yeah, it sounds terrible. I mean, it sounds like the kind of band I would hate, frankly, (laughs) you know? Yeah. There are some quotes from him about writing songs. So he actually co wrote the song with a childhood friend of theirs named Matthew Hill, who apparently. Uh, there's a, he, he ran a club called the quiet life in Brooklyn, but what's weird is the quiet life is John Linnell's apartment. So I don't know if that means they were roommates or, or how did he run a club that was his apartment? He just like came over to be like, I'm in charge now. So here, two quotes. Uh, here's a quote from John Linnell, which is on the Wikipedia, which he says, we were sitting around talking about obscure presidents in history and whether they were actually as unimportant during their own time, because they're, you know, we don't talk about them now. There's only four presidents everybody knows from history. <laughs> and the name James K. Polk came up and we looked him up and found he was actually a pretty important guy. And then John Flansburg said a song like James K. Polk is a song John put together with our mutual friend, Matthew Hill. I was actually childhood friends with Matthew. They were having a conversation about like, why can't you just write a completely fact-based song? And James K. Polk is an example of really just pouring a bunch of kind of uninspiring historical (laughs) facts. I think that's key, by the way, into a biographical song. There's no editorializing in the song. Yeah. You're going to sing a song, aren't you? You're going to do one about a president of the United States that nobody knows about. Um, well, some people might, but uh, probably a lot of people don't. He was the 11th president. Um, he, uh, his name's James K. Polk. He, he, was, he presided over a lot of uh, basically the expansionist period of the United States where we did a lot of land grabbing. Mm-hmm. And by we, I mean me. I've also seen other quotes, which I couldn't really find. I remember hearing John Linnell talk about how what's funny to him about the song is mm-hmm. how dry it is, how mm-hmm. there's no emotion in it. But the music is really, especially this version, the music is really triumphant. Yeah. The music sounds like a celebration of James K. Polk. But uh, apparently it's, it's not a celebration. And there's a lot of uh, times that John Linnell has made this clear. Um, but that song is, is, uh, is, is, as far as I know, very, very accurate. Yes. James K. Yes. Polk song. No, it's, it's actually easy on Polk. Yeah. Others would Cause, cause every, make more editorial. Everything is right out there. Yeah, it's, it's just blatant. strictly out of the encyclopedia. We didn't, we yeah. didn't get into any... Uh, we didn't express our real feelings about someone who would wage war with Mexico strictly to grab territory that didn't belong to the United States. Yeah, he was, you know, well, a, he was a sort a, of a typical president, though, wasn't he? Uh, he, was, he was not re-elected, <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> well, he's, well he's, as the song says, he sought no second term. Yeah, right. he was smart, I think. Yeah, yeah he knew what, was, he knew what uh, was happening. When we saw them play in New York when they were recording a live version of their first album, 
James K. Polk was one of the songs they played, and he very clearly was like, we play this song a lot, and it seems like we have a lot of reverence for him, but I just want everybody to know he's a huge asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know where I remember this. This might have been an old news Got group. Got a big laugh. <laughs> this might have been an old news group post, but I remember... Someone quoted Linnell at a show being like, here's a song about that motherfucker. Yeah. I think another time he was like, he's a dick. This song is about the 11th president of the United States. <laughs> he's the reason why this is America here in California. Which is not to say it's so cool. I, I, we often like to point this out, but it bears repeating. The song doesn't indicate our true feelings about the 11th president, who was a dick. No, the song is value neutral about a president who was a dick. Who was a dick. Here we go. See, there you go. That confirms it. Yeah, um, which sort of begs the question, so... Why Why wouldn't They Might Be Giants want to put editorializing in the song or let their mm -hmm. politics be known? And I think this kind of ties to what we were talking about with like racist friend and just them not wanting to tell people how to think. Mm -hmm. And this is the kind of song that really messes with someone's head because it sounds like it musically sounds like a celebration but internally, it's it, uh, they don't like him. But then the lyrics themselves are somewhere in the middle, which is the lyrics themselves aren't saying either way, whether it's good. Sort of like with women and men, when Linnell was like, this does not say either way. And so he's not judging James K. Polk in the song. Because honestly, it's funny, because you're a fan of a lot of punk bands, and punk bands are not shy about saying what who they hate, what they hate, what they hate yeah. about society in songs. Yeah, but you know my favorite punk band, Bad Religion, yeah. often takes the same approach where they have more of an objective viewpoint. Really? Because even the yeah. name isn't objective. Um, they were never crazy about the name. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. After a while, they were just like, well, you know, it was something to get people's uh, attention. Hmm. But, I mean, they That's certainly have their opinion on a lot of songs, but sometimes they just kind of, well, he's a science guy, you know, so he just kind of states the facts and lets everybody make up their own mind for some stuff. Yeah. Not just punk, I mean, folk music yeah. and a lot of protest music, you know, it's like just they really want you to know what they think and they want you to think. It's like they won't let us make up our own minds about Vietnam, you know, they got to tell us how bad it is all the <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, I guess, as, I, as I've said before, for me personally, I, I don't find it very interesting when, mm -hmm. when someone tries to tell me what to think in a song. I find it more interesting when something is a bit... Uh, Nebulous. Yeah, maybe not. I was going to say re removed, but I don't mean like cold. I just mean something that's a little more like make up your own mind. And, you know, same with movies and everything. Like mm -hmm. a lot of, I noticed lately, a lot of popular movies are like, they told us what to think and we love it. Yeah, and I don't like, like that either. I like moral ambiguity. I like. Well, that's life, you know? I like movies and stuff that's There's just, no sign on a person said that says good or evil. You know what I mean? It's not a joke. Um, except for the Joker in Suicide Squad. Right. No, I <laughs> They knew. have a tattoo on his head yeah. that was just like, evil man yeah. <laughs> who likes And I was glad clowns. they did that. Otherwise, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. That he was a psycho. Yeah, when, when those pictures were released, me and Dave had a long conversation about how like, oh, this Joker's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> this one's, we thought the Jokers before were a little, a little weird, but this one's crazy because it says he is. I thought there was something missing from those other ones. Yeah, yeah. You know, just to push it over the edge. Yeah. Sell it. Like, I wish Superman just had a tattoo that said, good guy. Good. <laughs> yeah. No, noble. Big stupid head.
so so here's the thing though with with James K. Polk. So so we've got like their motivation for writing, and and we've got the idea that just it's a dry song with no there's no humor in the lyrics, there's no anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just encyclopedia yeah. entry. I believe it's a fairly accurate encyclopedia entry, though probably simplified, you know, because it's a song. So I actually looked up a page of quotes from James K. Polk because I want to want to get in this man's head, you know, I want to get in his head. Sure. You know what I mean, because the song you don't the song doesn't really get in his head. <laughs> Oh, I like this quote. With me, it is exceptionally true that the presidency is no bed of roses. I feel like that that might indicate Honest. why he did not seek another term, which mm. the song does point out. So I do think John Linnell's, you know, the original intention of doing this dry academic song, like it seems it almost fits the music here more than in the factory showroom version because it's just so, it's so stiff. It's kind of like hitting you over the head. You know, like dun 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 dun. The factory showroom version is more like a standard rock song or folk song, or yeah, yeah. Uh, so th I feel like this is maybe has more of like a humor to it, mm -hmm. uh, though. Maybe that's it's good to correct that because <laughs> you don't want to be too funny. Maybe it harkens back to the uh, animatronic Lincoln. It, this song kind of reminds me of that vibe yeah. <laughs> of like it, it is kind of robotic sounding, like l listening to his story in the Hall of Presidents. Well, so like for example. Yeah, when like the uh, the hi hat comes in when he does like the long notes, mm -hmm. like nah, nah, and then you hear like T -t 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 -t. I'm like, what? That's one of those drum patterns where I'm like, I don't know if a drummer could do. It's very strange yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> the drums are like boom, 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 and then on top of that is it's like you can't do that, right? That's not possible, is it? I can't. If anyone can do that, record yourself doing it. I'm sure someone can do it, There's, but I don't think it's a natural pattern. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it comes naturally. Yeah. I guess what's interesting to me about B-sides is like, imagine if this was on Flood, like where would this go? Would this like, it kind of yeah. would stop the album dead, wouldn't it? It's a little because of the, the way, the rhythm of it. The subject matter too, I think, doesn't really fit with what yeah, it doesn't, is all about. Yeah, it doesn't fit the themes of, <laughs> no pun intended, themes no. of, of Flood. It's weird because like, obviously they, they don't, they always say they don't write albums with that in mind, but clearly they they heard this song which is so funny because it is a great so it's such a fan favorite so it's weird it's weird to hear it and be like this isn't i, th I think they probably just heard and said like this isn't ready yet mm -hmm. you know well a good song doesn't mean a song that'll fit in on an album yep. and the song is called james k polk yep. this was a b-side originally it was a b-side off of some record on flood i forget which one yeah we and used to put out a lot of eps back in the days of vinyl and uh you know, it was a pretty interesting way to do, you know, songs that wouldn't necessarily fit in that good. This I think song, it was uh, Istanbul, not, not Constantinople. Yeah, was, was, the, a, was this the an older crowd pleaser that you've now resurrected well, in high Well, it's kind of, yeah, there's a category of songs that we do that we didn't actually plan on, you know, bringing into the show and that they just sort of got brought. We actually responded to popular demand. So against, here it is, by you know, popular demand. James right. K. Polk. And then I, I don't know what, what else Flansburg might be doing on this song because it's really all piano. It's all just piano, fake bass, and fake drums. 
I really enjoy the bridge <laughs> for this version of the song. I like the vocal effect. I like how they, uh, <laughs> I think it, it kind of makes it even more funny in that Johnny Horton reference where it's like, so doing La La is just kind of being like, <laughs> this is a song we want you to sing along to kind, right. of, kind of thing. But the lyrics are like, why would anyone want to sing along to this? Which again, like jokes on everyone because everyone does love singing along to yeah. this. It's also kind of like, here's all the extra facts. La La La. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, and you you get you yeah. get what we're saying. Fill in the blanks. Yeah. It's almost like blah, blah. <laughs> you could have fit more words yeah. <laughs> there that are like, what else happened to James K. Polk? Like, what was his family like? <laughs> <laughs> I really love the little organ riff going on in the bridge, and then it continues into the last verse, which is like the... You know, th this song has the feel of just John Linnell kind of arranging stuff, sort of, I don't know, by himself or not. It feels but it, very by himself. It, ha yeah. <laughs> it has that feel of just like someone, you know, oh, this melody would go well under that thing. Like, I really, I really like this version for that reason, because it's got all these like fun, melodic, counter melody, interesting ideas. It is very repetitive, though. So, like, the, you know, the bass mm -hmm. in this version, I think the whole thing is just do, 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 mm -hmm. you know? Whereas, like, you know, the bass in the future version is actually, like, really, really great. So we'll get into that uh, another time. But, like, it's a little more alive. And mm -hmm. this, this version is kind of is like a dead, like, you know, wax right. animated robot thing. So we're obviously going to talk a lot more about James K. Polk when we're up to Factory Showroom. I do think there's more to say with like specific lyrics and, and the evolution of the song. Them playing it with a live band and a totally different arrangement. And, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think uh, I wanted to get into just the origins of it, what, what he's trying to do with this song. And also, I do think it is interesting how different this is from the rest of Flood. Because mm -hmm. so many of the songs on Flood are so hard to understand yeah. <laughs> lyrically, especially in our last two episodes. Like I noticed in our the episode before the last one, it was like four Linnell songs and one yeah. Flansburg songs. And all of those Linnell songs were incredibly confusing. I mean, maybe in that sense, it would be a good fit because it would give you some break from yeah. <laughs> interpreting. But then, like I said, then there's that layer of, but why am I hearing this, right? Why is this the, the lyrics I'm hearing yeah. right now? It, it almost does mess with you a lot. And I, I do understand how someone who doesn't look into James K. Polk would be like, oh, they must love James K. Polk, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it fits really well in Factory Showroom. You know, that group of yeah. songs are all very specific I genre studies and no that's a very good point uh that's very true but let's move on to the next song on the istanbul ep which i'm holding <laughs> to prove it that could it could have been dave's head but <laughs> it was the cd case the next song is stormy, stormy pinkness, pinkness. stormy pinkness Human we 
Johnny Cup with glue. Your progression, my digression. Forty days this afternoon. The song is a minute long. It's a short like song, Jordan. The, the actual time is a minute twelve, but if you're looking, it actually ends at like one minute. Wow, Stormy Pinkness. This is one of my all-time favorite songs. Is it now? Uh, I don't know if that's a little weird to say. Um, You've said that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> this is just a song I could listen to on a loop like a hundred times. It's very pleasant. It's so um, beautiful and relaxing. Mm. Um, the mm. way the reverb soaks up everything is something they don't ever really do. It's got real atmosphere to it. Quiet. The re Yeah, it's quiet. It's almost too quiet. Man, when Dave is quiet, I'm like more relaxed too. Yeah, man. Oh, wow. Oh. Quiet or disturbed. <laughs> so yeah, Stormy Pinkness is is really special to me. It's actually so special. I'll play this for you, Dave. I I covered it myself back in 2000 when I was a little boy. You well, don't I guess say. I think I was 17, maybe 16. But I'll I'll play this for Dave and for you. You get to hear too, folks. <laughs> Human weakness fills my Johnny cup with blue. Your digression, my digression. Forty days this afternoon. The things we cherished are small and Messed up the lyrics. Did you hear? <laughs> I couldn't. I didn't know what they were. Anyway, yeah. So I, I, I made that <laughs> one. Probably one lonely night. One lonely. Summer. I'd imagine. I don't one think... fitful. So fateful. Fitful. <laughs> Little Jordan in his room. Yeah, and I didn't know that there weren't really lyric sheets. Uh, well, there's no lyric sheet on the Istanbul EP, which I had, and there was no lyrics online really. I think maybe there. Luckily, was... they sing pretty clearly. Both of them. But in this song, the vocals are actually really quiet and covered in reverb. So there's been a yeah. few debates about the lyrics of this song. Oh, really? Until like they, what? Uh, Johnny Cup, people thought was Jolly Cup, and people was the Jollies Jolly versus Cup. the Johnnies for a while. Oh, man. And yeah, your progression, my digression was kind of hard to understand, which is why I messed that up in my own uh, version. Hmm. People used to think so much larger the need was so much larger beneath. So, so they much had, larger my knees. So... <laughs> So, Dave, uh, what what do you make of or think of Stormy Pinkness? I like this song a lot. That's what I think of it. Really? And make of it. It's a sweet song. It's very easy to listen to. <laughs> uh, I'm wondering what you think it's about. Yeah. Not to set you up too much. <laughs> well, I've kind of gone... I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I mean truly, I, I genuinely wonder what you think it's about i wonder what you think it's about i think it's about the menstrual cycle a, so i had a big debate uh <laughs> about saying this oh really well so i don't know if it is uh, i i've gone back and forth so i was pretty sure it was for mm -hmm. a while from the title on <laughs> so then you know I, I have been thinking a lot about this and it's like i don't know if that's what it is um i would say this if it's not about that, mm -hmm. I still feel like there's like some weird, I still feel like there's an implication if you title the song that and mm -hmm. there's like, you know, it's clearly about a relationship and I don't know. Sometimes I'm just like, well, 
the words you choose could have that could have meaning mm-hmm. that are maybe not what you are making the song about, but it's like kind of under everything. I don't know. It's like like sort of just like Freudian symbols right. that just kind of exist, like you know, like like in a like in a dream or whatever. It's like they're just kind of in the air. But uh, but I, I'm kind of leaning lately. I'm kind of leaning more towards I, I think a simpler uh, explanation, which is mm-hmm. just this sort of this relationship falling apart. I mean, we can we can go through the lyrics. Do you want to back up your assertion that it might be about what you said or? It's mostly the phrase stormy pinkness. I Human guess, weakness seems like kind of a judgment call. <laughs> I mean, it's not anybody's fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I sort of saw that as about himself. Yeah. The the narrator being, I'm pretty sure, is a, a man. <laughs> and uh, Well, your progression and my digression sort of meaning like it's... <laughs> something that makes him uncomfortable. I don't know. No, I, I always, I kind of saw it that way too for a while. It's like you're supposed to have this happen. Yeah. <laughs> and then I shrink away. I don't know. The other the other way to interpret it is that just like pink is like the color of love or whatever, mm-hmm. like Valentine's Day or whatever. And stormy pinkness is just like, means something is wrong or something rocky, you know, something is, right. we're fighting a lot, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I will say, I think you were probably the one that put this idea in hey, my head in the hey. first place. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I, I... can't remember what the origins are. Well, I think I got that from people talking online. Uh, in, people were talking. On various... Uh, people talk. Various band <laughs> forums. I, I mean, I look, I'll say, though, the second half of the lyrics don't really back up that theory much. Much. Because they're, they're more general. The things we cherish are small indeed. Yeah. Well, that doesn't really fit. So let's try to figure these lyrics out a little. Um, so I think the first thing I should say is the They Might Be Giants fan wiki says that Johnny Cup is a large cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where they got that. I hmm. think someone made that up and then it got, it turned into, what's the word, apocryphal or whatever? Scripture. Yeah. I spent a really long time researching Johnny Cup, what the hell it is. I tried, I researched it. You know, you do minus They Might Be Giants so that the song doesn't come up. I didn't know that. All I found, there's a place called Johnny Cupcakes. <laughs> All right. Um, I tried searching Johnny Cup and coffee together. I found nothing. Well, I guess that's not what it means then. Um, I, I'm now, Maybe they should change the wiki. Maybe they should change the song lyric. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> make they it should more, change a lot of things. Make it make some sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think they should change the wiki because there's no source uh, but this isn't a show where we're just going to criticize the wiki all day. I was kidding. But um, <laughs> no, uh, Johnny Cup. Now, obviously, knowing they might be Giants lyrics, it's reasonable to assume he's talking about a cup of coffee. Wouldn't it be called Joey Cup? <laughs> it's a like cup, cup of, of Joe. Joe. Yeah, uh, exactly. See, the I other mean, that sounds really stupid. The other reason, <laughs> the other thing, I think that's something my girlfriend was saying is like, well, he his name's John, so it's like his cup. <laughs> True. <laughs> Which I thought is like it's kind of cute. Um, Could be the the John from Sapphire Bullets. Yeah, exactly, John McLaughlin. Yeah, but I mean, it's like if Dave, if Dave came over, being like, "Oh, let me just refill my Davy cup." Like, <laughs> I'd be like, I would understand what he means. I'd be like, "Yeah, do it." You would understand it, but you would also lose some respect. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I would just like close the door behind you and not let you back in. Um, so like, yeah, go it, fill your it, Davy cup. It's reasonable moron. to assume <laughs> that this is a cup of coffee, not like a cup of soup or whatever. 
But as for literal references from Johnny Cup, look, this might be a good opportunity. If you know what that's about, love it. Email us at don'tletstartpodcast at gmail.com. I tried searching vintage Johnny Cup, like old, you know, I tried New York. If it's Has a New York person thing. ever emailed us actually answering a question we asked no. per episode? I don't think so either, right? No. I mean, I forget them shortly they, after. They email but, us very nice things. Yes, about everything else and interpretations and everything, but not any, we haven't solved any of the specific questions we've asked. The, the riddles are un, are still riddled. R riddled. <laughs> um, With disease. I try to be clever to the degree that I'm just not making sense. Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> Let me say a funny thing. Uh, oh, <laughs> anyway. Is that a joke? <laughs> so I do think this song has like a sexual element to it. Yeah, I mean. I'm I don't know if the pinkness is the, the sexual. Oh. So I, I do think saying pinkness, there's a sexual tone to it. There's a sexual feel. Uh, one interpretation of the song could be it's about someone who cheated mm -hmm. and they're now in the, in the in the dog house, <laughs> right? Uh, in the Johnny house, the pink house. He's yeah. So Mr. Say, Pink. So he, so human weakness could be like, you know, that he couldn't help himself. Saying my digression. If you want to know the actual definition of digression, it's a temporary departure from the main subject. So the idea, if you're, if you're a departing the main subject, the main subject would be your, who you're with, i.e. your relationship. So your digression would be like, I slept with somebody else, right? So 40 days this afternoon. Now, I thought you'd be excited by this, Dave, because what does 40 days make you think of? The flood. That's right. <laughs> flood, 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 flood reference. Yeah, I always thought that was weird. 40 days and 40 nights. It's always weird. When how I long the flood lasted. Yeah, exactly. So what does that have to do with anything, you know? Well, and flood also, like, if you want to go into more of what your original theory. I know, but it's There's like, a lot of, like, water cycles, sexual stuff. I mean, it's kind well, of a big blend. Those cycles last a certain amount of days, you know, but this is more than that. So is he, like, blending how long a cycle lasts with the biblical stuff and then, like... It kind of reminds me of It's Not My Birthday, which mm -hmm. is the lyrics for that are more dense, but they, I feel like they travel in similar circles, which is he's playing with, I, we could be wrong, but he, he's like, he's playing with water imagery and mm -hmm. sexual imagery and all this, this mishmash of stuff. 40 days, it's weird when you have a specific, <laughs> like such something so specific mm. in a, in a lyrics that are otherwise kind of, I don't know, kind of more open. Like this is one of Linnell's more like, the, the lyrics aren't as like detailed as usual, but saying 40 days is a detail. And that has, that accomplishes a few things. One, it makes, you know, nerds like us, like wonder what the reference is. Ooh, what is that? But it also is like, it makes it feel more like a real story, right? Yeah. It makes it feel like, oh, did Linnell or whoever the narrator is like write the song 40 days since he cheated on his yeah. partner, you know, if that's what it's about. Right. Who knows? So the song is so short, but let, let's talk about, I guess, what would be the second half or the bridge or whatever. The things we cherish are small indeed So much the larger the need Stormy pinkness Set me thanklessly free When it opens up and that guitar chord rings out. Yeah, I love I love that guitar. It's like a twang, twangy yeah. guitar, and you've got the the drums come in. 
uh, you know, the little fake drums, but they sound, I don't know, everything works for me in this song, like completely. I also love the jazzy bass. I wanted to mention it's, I love that kind of, it, it might, it might be real, but I think it's just fake mm-hmm. synthy jazz bass. I noticed this. It's funny because there's some synth sounds that never work, like horns. They always sound really yeah, fake. Yeah. But I, I've got some good like fake jazz bass too, and I'm like, I defy you to know that it's fake. It just sounds like really, really I real. I guess I'm obsolete. <laughs> That's right. So anyway, but the, but the lyrics for this part, the things we cherish are small indeed, so much the larger the need. The need for speed. That's what you <laughs> think it's about? I don't know what this one's about, this part. Just being honest. Well, there's it definitely is evocative, and it makes you think about... The, I think you meant the, to say erotic. It makes you think about the things you cherish, and, yeah. like, are they small indeed? Um, Friendship. The things we cherish are small indeed, so much of the larger the need. Like, to me, that seems like someone who's tempted, you know, like, saying the, this ah. need is so large, I can't help it. My, you know, I digressed. Yeah. And... I digest. Are the things... The things we cherish are small and need. Like, is that either about like the nice little things, like you know, like cuddling and watching a movie, or is it about like with me, <laughs> with Dave? <laughs> Call this number to book your <laughs> reservation. Um, book your flight now. Or is or is the thing you cherish small indeed? Is that like a weird reference to like something penis or what? <laughs> no, I mean I'm not trying to be funny. Like, is it saying oh, you like? I think that's a dick joke. Or a genitalia joke, like yeah. these things are so small, but the need... <laughs> Maybe yours. The need, <laughs> I guess I walked into that. Really did. But he was saying these things are, they're so small compared to like, you know... Mine? A, 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 build, <laughs> a building. But the need for them to uh, interact is is unbelievable, like the drive, the sex drive. Well, I'm may, trying, I, yeah. I, I kind of see it more as he can't, or the narrator in the song can't see how special the small things are. Yeah. That sense? No, I do see that taking things for granted. Right. I mean, when a relationship is having trouble, I mean, I've had this in the past too. I try to think of like, am I taking it for granted? Am I not taking it for granted? Am I, you know, like you try to like measure all that stuff. I think it's more when you do realize the small things are all you need. Yeah. Then you realize how large everything means. So it's like the meaning is in the small gestures in it of itself, and there are no small gestures because of it. If nothing means anything, that everything means everything. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. Well, just like if the small gesture is like being on the couch. Yeah. If that's what you cherish, it's not small. No, I kind of feel the same way. I've always felt that way about a lot of things. And like, then the need becomes this, large. It's things important to know. me, so it's a big deal. Yeah, I don't know. See, saying like, I, I guess tying it with like human weakness, my digression so much larger than need it feels like he's just like i mean it, this could also be about like alcoholism or you know this could be about a lot of things this could be about just someone who just yeah, it could be about like schnapps or something or schnapps pink like a pink martini pogs <laughs> i don't know some sort of addiction pogs you know well when i was younger i was like really into trading cards you know i it would be really it can get dangerous you know like i was just like oh gonna buy another pack of like beavis and butthead trading cards because i'm missing this one hologram that's what it's about yeah <laughs> i think we cracked it and then the final line and there's so few lines in this song which is maybe why i like it even more i really love succinct songs that say so much with so few lyrics i, I think that's like my favorite thing stormy pigness set me thanklessly free that's a phrase that I've was like not heard before. Hmm. Thanklessly free. So that's like a negative. See, it's funny because when you hear it in the song, it sounds um, cathartic. It sounds like a release. Yeah, saying set me free. But thanklessly means 
he's not happy, right? Am I crazy? Maybe it's just the unhappy resolution, which is still some freedom in that. I mean, maybe they break up and he's like, well, yeah, that's, that's the end of that chapter. But he's also, I mean, in a way he's free because it's like if you're not in the stormy pinkness anymore. Yeah. But it's more like sad though. Okay, well, uh, so a little bonus stuff about this song. There's two really cool live things uh, that they haven't done the song much live. Uh, I think maybe they did it more in the 80s. First, there's, and this is something a lot of fans know about, there's the love version. Yeah, yeah. So they would, they had, they did this to an audience in Japan. And also Germany. Yeah. So they did this to, to two audiences that don't speak English, but they had them yell out love mm-hmm. while they perform the song, which to me um, is not just like a wacky live thing that furthers what the song's about. Mm-hmm. It's a sad love song. You know, it's a love song. That's about a breakup. Maybe that's another clue. Yeah. It's a, it's a clue. Um, I don't know who that was an impression of <laughs> um, me when I find a clue. <laughs> this is the tempo like this. Stomp up. What's the floor made of anyway? Is it wood? Rubber, right. Okay, so you have to stomp extra hard. Why don't you shout the word love while you stomp? Love, 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 love. Another really cool thing. So in uh, so November twenty eighth, nineteen eighty seven, uh, Linnell's accordion strap broke, and Flansburg performed the song by himself, mm. singing it too. And that actually made me wonder: Did Flansburg write the song? Mm. Probably not. But whenever something like that happens, it actually makes me kind of pick up. Uh, the the Johnny Cup thing seems like a Flansburg line to me. Yeah, I could see that. Do you think he doesn't memorize Linnell's lyrics ever? <laughs> yeah. Well, he he does say in the clip that Linnell usually sings it. I might yeah. forget the words. I mean, usually the people that sing it yeah. write it. Um, always. I, I think Dave deserves to hear this because he's a good fan. All right. Okay. Uh, this, song, <laughs> this song is usually sung by John, so I might not remember all the words. But it's called Storm Pickness. We asked the audience to peep along and stomp like this. Since John has... Uh, Messed up his accordion, you have to help me out. Just that's the tempo. You just stomp. Can you stomp, please? I can't get through this alone. Left me free. 
anyway, yeah, that, that's like a really rare treat. They almost never sing each other's songs, uh, even when they should. Like, there's, there's just been other shows where one of them gets sick or the other gets sick, and they're just, they don't do that. So, Stormy Pinkness, uh, anything else? I love when the accordion comes in. I, I forgot to mention that. It's always, it's so always nice. So sweet. It's, yeah, it's like really sweet. I, I just it's I think, not a nerdy polka instrument at all. Yeah, I think there's some something like just really special about a short song. There's something, you know, I, I've written a, a lot of those too. Just these short, like fifty second, one minute songs. You know, there's just something I really, really like about that because there's there's they're a, easier. <laughs> what to play? To write. Uh, I don't see. I don't know. You if just have to finish them earlier. Yeah, that's true. I guess uh, uh, to me, it's it's. It's not that it's easier or harder. It's just that it's um, you're really focusing in on what on whatever the song is about, and it's. I think it's an in, you know it's an instinct like this doesn't need any more. Like I said, the whole story because another lyric could like topple the house of cards. You know, it's right. like uh, not that I wouldn't. You know, I'd like to know if there were more lyrics to this song or whatever. Like it'd be interesting. Well, it's very easy to spoil the soup. You don't want to overproduce something. Yes. And you don't want to overwrite something. There's also like when a song is short like this, and even uh, when it sounds like this, there's like a humble quality to it. Like I, there's a couple bands I, I've heard where it's like, it seems like every song they're trying to make it like the best song in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's like every song is this huge thing. But what, I always gravitate to is like the weird short song that's either the B side or somewhere else on the album. Like that's just something I, I naturally find myself like really fond of, and that's that's also why I really like B sides. So speaking of short little things, the next song is Ant. There's an ant crawling up your back in the nighttime. There's an ant crawling up your back. In the nighttime, but you think that's okay while you're sleeping. That and crawls in your head in the nighttime. That and crawls in your head in the nighttime, but you think that's okay. Does that song put you at ease? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, um, I feel like it's supposed to be this really everything's okay kind of song. Back up that claim. <laughs> In what way? Uh, the feel that I get from it, like looking into a child's eyes, everything's going to be okay. Oh, so the, so the song says you think that's okay. <laughs> so you you think that you think that's okay is okay. Well, while you're asleep, you know. Doesn't matter. Uh, to me, this song is horrifying, and it's uh, one of their most cynical, negative songs that they've ever written. This is a song Sarah Vowell said, like, made her feel like everything in the world was okay. <laughs> I thought that was unbelievably ridiculous when I saw her say that because it's mm -hmm. such a I didn't scary think ant song. Would be so contentious. I just think it's a cute song. It's a cute little ant marching around. I imagine he's like this cute little critter. Well, in terms of the cuteness, uh, this does remind me of. Did you ever do have the thing done to you when you were a kid where it was like there's a spider crawling up your back? No, you know, I, I just saw something with that in it and I was like, I don't know what that is. So I I, I don't know if it's a reference, but I it's feel like... It's supposed to give you the chills or something? Yeah, it's a, it's a thing to give you the mm. chills. Here, I'll play you a clip of this this lady on YouTube doing it. Now I'll show you some fun things to do with some older children if you're sitting around and waiting for something. This one's called Crack an Egg on Your Head. 
crack an egg on your head. Let the yolk drip down. Let the yolk drip down. Let the yolk drip down. Crack an egg on your head. Let the yolk drip down. Squeeze an orange on your shoulders. Let the juice drip down. Let the juice drip down. Squeeze an orange on your shoulders. Let the juice drip down. Let the juice drip down. Spiders crawling up your back, spiders crawling down. Spiders crawling up your back, spiders crawling down. With a pinch and a squeeze and a cool ocean breeze. <sighs> Do you feel the chills? Yeah! <laughs> So I think. I mean, look in that context, it's rather unpleasant. <laughs> I, I think the song is is referencing that because hmm. there is a there is a childlike quality to the song because any yeah any I song that, that. Ha is so repetitive it and so and simple adds a new element each time. Yeah, it's like a like there's a frog on a log kind of song. <laughs> exactly. So so I I know personally I had that when I was little my like mom did that to me you know you know and I sounds like a picturesque. Child. I think my older sister did it too to me. I I only had that done to me as a thirty year old. <laughs> you paid a prostitute. Yeah. yeah, wasn't wasn't cheap. Um, so she's like, "Sir, this isn't really what I do." So you you truly think the song is a nice, happy song? I just want to like clarify before <laughs> I, I move. I don't on. know why you don't believe me when I say things because of the lyrics. <laughs> but you know, yeah, but I I mean I don't know. I think you're being too literal and face value with the lyrics too. I think it's more about the feel it gives you. Like the music is very pleasing and cutesy. The little ant grows up to be president. Like it's, you know, it's a lighthearted song. I don't think, I don't know. All right. Well, here, here, well, this is, this is what the podcast is, right? It's about, that, that's what the about La Latin, wrong. it's what the Latin term podcast means, means hate talk. <laughs> I'm not saying the things in the lyrics can't be like gross or make you feel uncomfortable, but I think the song overall puts a smile on my face i mean maybe in spite of the weird lyrics or the grossness like i just think it's a fun song i'll just dig right into this um to me this this is a great example of flansburg's paranoia mm -hmm. you know in some ways we lucked out because if if we knew how people were gonna i think there's something actually very optimistic about the band that actually has sort of changed the, our approach to i mean we're kind of we're kind of art school pessimistic guys. Like we're not naturally like Mr. Sunshine type people. And the name of the band is got this kind of, you know, people immediately start thinking like, why did you, why are you guys giants? You know, and we weren't really, we were thinking of like some paranoid person, like looking out their window going like somewhere out there, somebody's going to crush me. Like we thought that they would be like a third person, not us. Uh, his paranoia of government, like you see this in the shadow government and mm -hmm. other stuff. This is a song about mind control, mm -hmm. brainwashing. You know, they might be <laughs> brain, they might be washed. Uh, well, I think that stuff's fun. The the ant thing is only, you know, I, I know there's like the kind of, there's a wordplay there with like if you bug someone's house, mm -hmm. you know, like bugging, it's kind of like you're spying on someone. Uh, basically, to me, like Nixon is all over this song, mm -hmm. and the the men ransack your house in the nighttime really reminds me of Watergate. And I know this I is see that. I know this is stuff Flansburg's really obsessed mm -hmm. with. I mean, I just thought that was a funny joke to throw in the middle, <laughs> so it wasn't too like child nursery rhyme like. 
Uh, yeah, I see this as as Flansburg kind of. Well, here's what's funny. To me, the song is more political than your racist friend, <laughs> but your racist friend is the one that constantly is called the political song. Whereas to me, your racist friend is the personal song, and Ant is Flansburg actually making a political statement about the government and about and or about governments. You know, or like subliminal stuff and like how, how, you know, and by the way, I don't know if he's saying this is what happens, but it's playing on the idea of, you know, the government and other things kind of thought controlling you and decide making decisions for you, making you kind of this unconscious sleeping thing where there's all these things happening to you while you're asleep. But you think that's okay. Basically, this it's like saying, wake up, ease. wake up people. Is This song is like literally saying, you know, wake up because this stuff is happening while you're asleep and you think it's okay, but it's not okay <laughs> because the everything he's saying, this is what I'm confused why you think it's nice. Everything that's happening while you're sleeping is bad, mm-hmm. is a bad thing. And oh, just, well, I didn't read past the first line. That's why. The first line is a bad thing, unless you like bugs, but I, I don't. I, I think ants are scary. I meant the first uh, group of... <laughs> the, the word there's, <laughs> there's an ant. <laughs> I just think it was a song about in all these things going wrong, but in spite of that, you have the fortitude to feel okay. I mean, it's weird that Dave is the more optimistic one It is. Here. I don't trust it. To me, it's more about how you're helpless because we're all not yeah, aware of the, the messages we're being given all the time through media, especially. I mean, to me, this is like a song about media and about bugs, bugging things and, and all that stuff. It's mm. not about insects. It's not about... I, I mean, I think it is. I think it's literal. I mean, the other thing with Ant is that you've got the wordplay, the antenna, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like calling the song Ant and having it be about Ant and then we're talking about like, you know, the all this stuff like to me there's there's some there's a lot going on there i don't mean to personally sound like a paranoid lunatic it's kind of how you're coming across <laughs> but but like yeah but you can't just say because it's the first three letters of a word then then he meant to say that word i mean an ant is a bug that I'm, crawls i'm saying you're saying well, in spite of sim- saying like cockroach sim- he's yeah. not gonna he's not gonna talk or about a cockroach fly. yeah but that's so much less Worm. cute those are all way more disgusting that's why he chose ant ants arguably can be cuter I mean, I don't, I In think ants world. are disgusting, but. <laughs> no, they are. Look, butterflies opinion. are disgusting. They have gross faces. So do ants. But I'd rather have an ant crawling on me than a cockroach. Just saying. Or a What worm. about an ant that was the size of a cockroach? That's, that's pretty bad. <laughs> that's my point. <laughs> well, maybe their size makes them more palatable slightly. Well, you know my, I mean? my desk here had an ant infestation last year and they were fucking giant ants <laughs> and it was really horrible. And they, you know, here's something that ties with the song. I act when I Yeah, was, but if there were worms all over your desk, that would be way more horrific. Well, I would think I've like did an exorcism or something. <laughs> but um this ties in with what I'm saying. When I Googled uh there's ants on my music recording <laughs> desk, what I found was tons of people being like, Oh yeah, ants like crawling into electronic equipment mm-hmm. um for whatever reason. Uh, I don't know why. So this kind of ties with what I'm saying about like the ants like to crawl inside these things. And what I, my point about saying antenna mm-hmm. as a word, as a kind of hidden wordplay, kind of is what we were saying about stormy pinkness, which is that mm-hmm. it's just kind of in the air. It's just kind of like a symbol yeah. thing that's kind of like ant being, you know, ant have antenna. It's true. <laughs> but like the idea that this is a song about getting messages, <laughs> getting like subliminal messages beamed into you from this ant that goes in your head. Yeah. And thinking that maybe he's making some 
Um, he's m maybe bringing to mind the idea of media and an antenna and how we vote and how that affects who, you know, like, I don't think the ant becomes president, not unrelated to it crawling in your head previously. Mm. That's my point. Someday that ant, he will grow up to be president. Someday that ant, he will grow up to be president. But you think that's okay while you're sleeping. The president calls your name in the nighttime. The president calls your name in the night. No, I mean, look, you make a strong case for your point of view. I still think of it more like a children's fable, though. That's why I just think, like, you know, what's the most ridiculous thing that can happen? An ant becomes president. I see it like a, a kid's book, but that's just the way I've it, it's, been seeing it. I'll say it's it's structured in that way. Yeah. But I don't think it's literally. Well, that's right. It seems like a nursery rhyme, you know. Yeah, but I, in my view, I don't. I don't think it's literally being like Mr. Ant President, like in the White House I mean, with like a with like a suit and you know. I imagine it doing like a press conference. The top hat and a little beard. <laughs> yeah, I think what he's. I think the idea is, is that just we're we're told things all our lives that get into our heads, and it affects how the world is a how the world is run and how, what we accept later on. Right. So we're, we're told, Oh, this is how it's supposed to be. And then when things happen, we go, oh, okay, that's how it's supposed to be. Like to me, that's what the song is about completely. And we're not really going line by line here because mm -hmm. it's all, it's a big general thing. Musically, I do have another point about the lyrics, but musically, I really like how the, what is that, a xylophone or a vibraphone? What is that instrument in the beginning? I can't tell if it's a synth or if, I think it's a synth. It's a synth. But it sounds a little sloppy sure. if you listen. There's a few notes that are like, oh, maybe that sounds real. I love how that kind of brings to mind like little ant feet <laughs> crawling around, doing, yeah. stepping on you. Yeah, it's cute. Um, musically, I think the song is genius, and I will tell you why. Um if you look at how to play it, the guitar chords, mm -hmm. the song keeps going up in key every verse. Mm -hmm. So it starts at uh, it starts at A, the key mm -hmm. of A. Then it goes to the key of N. Yeah, that would be clever if it was A and D. So the song is just like the guitar's out of tune, but you know, there's an ant crawling up, right? And then the next verse is that ant crawled in your head and you know and then the next one it just keeps going up b someday that ant and then the la uh, the second to last one is c the president calls your name mm -hmm. and then the final one is uh c sharp or d flat you know that's genius because there's an ant crawling up your back and the chords the key mm -hmm. keeps going up so he's it's like the it's like the chords the music is tracking the ants movements like yeah. it's really amazing and this is something I didn't know until I looked up the chords today but it, but you feel it you feel that the song keeps raising the stakes and going higher and higher you know what I mean but don't you think that makes it even more sound like a kid song that's like something that kids music does a lot yeah yeah it it says I think the idea that or it's a just, kid song is even more cynical right. and dark so you're saying <laughs> he's just using that as a artifice to you know put this deeper exactly. darker message under it that's a good term <laughs> artifice is a good, yeah. yeah he's he's basically telling you this well it, it's like what you said about the Sarah vowel thing in gigantic which mm -hmm. is like oh I heard this cute song I don't know, that's my impression about an ant and it's just you like I mean it's just <laughs> yeah, I think she knows what her voice sounds like I, I always thought that was funny that she said that this song 
song comforted her. Um, mm-hmm. Though I guess it's it's definitely like w- me and you are comforted by like horror movies and things that are kind right. of like you know messed up. Like I, I find that to be comforting. Yeah, but not Dracula's. So more with the music. Uh, me and Dave were talking about this before, but the guitar in Ant that comes in in the second verse. I feel like that's where the guitar from the, the, the guitar. guitar comes yeah, from. Yeah. In my uh, like made up story that I've always thought for years is that they were like practicing this song in the studio during Apollo mm. 18 being like, oh, maybe we should like, or, or something or in a rehearsal. And then he's like, realized that it could be its own thing. Like it sounds just like it. Yeah. I feel like the guitar is like a, dis- is like a brother or a cousin to this song. Kiss and cousin. I did 23 and me today, speaking of which, and apparently I have over 1,200 uh, distant cousins. You kiss all of them. So are you out there? Email me at don'tletstartpodcast.gmail.com. Um, that is weird, right? That you have so many family members. 1,200? Uh, yeah, but then it's not like literally like 1,200 brothers and sisters. It's like third, fourth, fifth, sixth removed, which basically yeah. is a stranger anyway. So who fucking yeah, cares? Yeah, it's just weird. That, and a lot of them are in New York. So like I probably see them every day. Yeah. You probably do. Uh-huh. And you covet them. What is <laughs> she covets what she sees every day. While you're sleeping. The man. I actually like how not synthy the song gets because once the drums come in, it's like clarinets and guitar, and I I guess they're fake drums. It's like a fake marching beat. But those drums seem very fluid. I noticed. Yeah, exactly. Compared yeah. to James K. Polk, yeah, they're, yeah. they're really like alive sounding. I don't know how they did that, but um, and also we should mention like the marching rhythm is like very presidential and it's mm-hmm. very. Uh, well, they lean into that even more in the yeah. newer version they made. Yeah, I know. We're definitely going to talk about that. The newer version that was from 20 years ago, I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to think about that. They're actually, so there's that newer version, but I did catch, uh, there is a time they played it live mm-hmm. in the 90s before that version. I'll play a clip of it just because cool. it's- I was going to ask if they ever played it They live. played it a few times, which is, like is interesting. Like, this is another one where I was like, oh, if I wrote this song, I'd play it all the time because it's so cool. But here, here's some of that. This is from 31595. sack your house in the nighttime like i said to me is evocative of watergate mm-hmm. and something we didn't talk about for twisting is that 
it, during the Watergate uh, mess. <laughs> so the president's chief domestic affairs advisor, John D. Ehrlichman, not sure how to pronounce that, who was talking about Patrick Gray III, whose nomination as director of the FBI was stalled. One of the things Ehrlichman told the president's counsel, John Dean, is let him twist slowly, twist slowly in the wind. Mm-hmm. Now, that was a phrase, but I don't know if he added the slowly, hmm. which is in twisting, and I still feel like Flansburg might be referencing it just because of Nixon. Well, he's Nixon. such a Nixon nut. Exactly. So this is something I wish I, I brought up in, yeah. in Twiston. But this kind of, you know, if these are all songs he's writing around this time, like Ant and stuff. Though Ant, there is an older demo of it from a few years back, I think. I don't know. To me, this is like a very Nixon-y song with just short of saying the word Nixon. To me, <laughs> the president in the song is Nixon, <laughs> like for all intents and purposes. Well, it still makes me feel safe regardless. Yeah, it's just so strange to me because <laughs> Bugs Crawling on You is is like a horror movie thing. Like that's like a trope. But of that's not what it's fe- about. It's about it being okay anyway. You think that's okay? Yeah, I'm thinking. <laughs> if I'm thinking it, that's how I feel. While you're, but you don't think while you're sleeping. I think it's part of the joke, right? It's part of you're not thinking anything while you're sleeping. I do. That's like that's the. That's the irony in the song is that mm. you you don't think that's okay while you're sleeping because you're not thinking. You get what I'm saying? This song is a lot going it. on under the lyrics. The last point I want to make about it is the last line is another scary thing, which is it ends with the men ransack your house in the nighttime as the ant crawls up your back while you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. So just as that one president is leaving, another one is starting up again, crawling up, crawling up your back. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it might as well just it's just this cycle that keeps repeating, which a lot of their They Might Be Giant songs have these scary cycles in them. We were going to name the podcast Scary Cycles. I mean, look, but the cycle does go back to you feeling okay while you're sleeping again, so it's all good. You you think it's okay while everyone's destroying your house. I think it's a pessimistic song, but I think the point is that despite of the world crumbling around you, you just get through it. But he's not getting through it. He's asleep. Yeah, sleeping is like a way to get through it. <laughs> no, sleeping, not not acknowledging the problems and just sleeping, <laughs> like hibernating away, putting your head in the sand, as you like to say. Uh, I've never said that in my life. That's not really a solution, right? Yeah, but sometimes you sleep and then you wake up, you feel better. That does happen. You could sleep on something. Exactly. But I don't think that's what he's talking about in this Probably song. Probably not. I guess there's a difference between like a song making me feel good in spite of <laughs> maybe what it's actually about. Like, Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I like the song The Bells Are Ringing a lot. And that's basically about mind control. It's also. a similar. I see bells are ringing and but it makes me as, feel good. <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny. Like the song "Don't Let Start" makes me feel good, but it's like a, as far as we can tell, it's right. an extre- extremely sad song. Exactly. Yeah. Though I guess it, "Don't Let Start" has a cathartic quality to it, whereas to me, like Ant has like a hopeless, you're doomed in this cycle and you'll never wake up kind of feel. Well, to I think it. another key component is I'm imagining like a cute ant, a la like a Pixar movie or something wearing a little like suit as a president. So maybe that's, you know, maybe that's the smoking gun here. I think you're playing right into Flansburg's <laughs> hands because he's possibly trying to be like, oh, this cute thing is secretly controlling the world and invading your privacy and not caring about your constitutional rights. Like saying ransack yeah. your house to me is like the most telling lyric because um, there's just there's just a, this kind of like chaotic uh, feel to that phrase ransacked. No, that's true. You know, maybe I'm just more at peace with being ransacked. In terms of quality, Dave, like, do you think Ant should have been on Flood? Like, what do you think of the song? Do you think it should be a B-side? It's a good song. I 
can see it not fitting in also like stormy pinkness do you think that in my opinion it seems like, like a separate train of thought <laughs> yeah I yeah, I could see that. I could see it being a little like if you're listening to Flood over and over, it might get it's so repetitive a song mm. that it's like, oh, I'm up to this song, and I, I, I could understand like this to me, it kind of is a perfect B side because it's just kind of its weird own little thing. Right. Yeah. No, it definitely kind of works on its own better. The the thing is though, I do love works these, good on a mixtape. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I do love these songs. Uh, recently, Flansburg was asked. Uh, if they would consider doing the B-sides for a flood show. Uh, a number of bands who do uh, full album sets like this also include B-sides. There weren't, there were only really two B-sides from, from flood, Stormy Pinkness and Ant. Is that, are you guys planning to include those in your set or not? You know, I, I don't know if it would bring like that much audience satisfaction <laughs> yeah. to people. So I disagree that it wouldn't be satisfying for fans. Dave, what do you think? I think if there were any group of fans that would appreciate, you know, the oddball one-off yeah. songs, it would be they might be giant fans. It, exactly. I think he's kind of underestimating how much people love every song. <laughs> um, I played once. Well, the thing what is, Stormy Pinkness is a minute long. Like, do you really lose? <laughs> how much do you lose doing that? And they already brought back uh, with the horns. With the horns, back, so yeah. like, it's already kind of in the repertoire. Uh, so, did I say that right? I think it's repertoire. <laughs> so, I guess it's not so crazy to me to to do those songs. I, to me, that would make it really feel like a full experience. Like Pixies did their uh, tour. I think it was Doolittle and the B sides from Doolittle and stuff. You know. That's really cool because it was part of that time, and you know, just dust it off. Just because they're left off the album, like they're still great. Like, like we said, like they just kind of don't fit in, yeah. right? Though Stormy Pinkness, I can imagine. I wonder where it would go, but I think that would be a good opener when the all the lights are off. <laughs> yeah, and then you just go into like a real oh, rocking I meant, song. Yeah, I meant where it would go on the on the on flood if it, oh, it had been a live on. show. But I agree. It would First, be, <laughs> it would be a good opener. I don't listen. I mean, so Ant is a good opener, too. Yeah. Know? It culminates in a fever pitch. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think he realized, I think he, you know, Flansbury, like, fell in love with the song all over again, you know, when they started doing it live. But yeah, Stormy Pinkness, it's like one minute. Is, is it really, <laughs> it would It would make so many people happy, I think, you know. You could do it while, like, other people are tuning. Yeah, they could do it in the quiet storm uh, yeah. section really easily, actually. So anyway, I don't know, that's, that's my opinion. <laughs> Take it or leave it. So track five on the Istanbul EP is, is, is kind of an oddball. And it is Istanbul, not Constantinople, Brownsville mix. You're not taping this, are you? Over there, it's a white tornado. Whirling around and spinning and everything, it's a white tornado. White tornado, my foot, that's a real tornado. Oh, you ain't in New York City, baby. Edit. So Brownsville mix of Istanbul, I, I have to say, well, first we should say they might be giants that didn't do this. Mm -hmm. So who did it? Yeah, that's, that's, that is the question. Um, the butler who did it is three people. 
uh, we're so we're gonna I'm I'm gonna dive really deep into the song because there's a lot there's actually a lot going on here mm-hmm. and I know it's not by them but I'm very interested in it. Um, I'll say right off the bat that I do like it. <laughs> I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's one of the more entertaining, creative remixes of their songs. For me, it's up there. I, I enjoy it. It has it has its own has its own thing going. Has a lot like going on. Mm-hmm. So okay, so who made it? This remix was done by Daddy O. <laughs> Bobby the I Simmons and Chris Shaw. So Daddy O is actually Glenn Bolton, and uh, Daddy O is his stage name, obviously. And he's a ra- yeah, he's a rapper and record producer. He's basically got he's got a few albums, but not much. He mostly does producing. I have no idea how they these people got involved in this, mm-hmm. <laughs> doing Istanbul, but I I do suspect Electra Records kind of gathers people and ah, d- yeah. sends stuff out. Um, so let's listen to a song by Daddio first. This kind of reminded me of the Istanbul thing because he's okay. really into sampling. So from the album of the same name, you can be a. Actually, I want Dave to read the title. <laughs> uh, the title is "You Can Be a Daddy, But Never Daddio," which is something I always say. Come back, rewind! So anyway, I mean, it does actually turn into a song, mm. but um, the the kind of like frenetic nature of like things just keep, it's just like there's so many samples he wants mm-hmm. to put in that he's just like, let's use all of them. That's kind of what this is like, because this samples a lot of songs. So then the, the next person, so Bobby the I Simmons, it was actually very difficult to find information about is him. Is it the I-E-Y-E or the I capital the I? E- the E-Y-E. So. Whoa. Yeah, so he's kind of like the ant spying on things, bugging things. But so Bobby the I Simmons is also a record producer. Uh, He's he seems he's done a few things with Daddy O apart from the Istanbul thing. But I I thought this song of his he has a he put out one song one time by himself called Poo Tang, and we're gonna listen to that because I found this song to be pretty amusing. does seem like an odd collaboration so anyway this guy collaborated with they might be giants in some way i don't know if they a were. perfect marriage i think so then the third person who who produced this version of istanbul is chris shaw and chris shaw is just a really prolific producer he actually produced one of my favorite albums which is ween's white pepper mm-hmm. and that's like a amazing album apparently he like did a lot of stuff on that so okay so those are the people who made it let's go into just 
some of the samples mm -hmm. <laughs> or all of the samples that I could find. Number one, go. Okay, so number one is Janet Jackson. So she has on her album Rhythm Nation 1814, I don't know how you pronounce, how do you say it? Is that who says edit? So it's, it's like the her. whole thing. You're not taping this, are you? And edit. And I will play mm -hmm. the track that that's from, which is a 10 second track. <laughs> it's like an interlude on her album. It's just like a little audio. I don't know if it's a skit or whatever you oh, call right. them, but it's an interlude and it's called Hey Baby. Baby. Hey, baby. Don't get me in here acting silly now. <laughs> You're not taping this, are you? <laughs> Edit. She sounds like Michael Jackson. So, You're not taping this, are you? Yeah, I'm not even sure who says that. Doesn't really sound like, like her no, it voice. sounds like really? her. Really? So that's the beginning. So then the next thing, which is really interesting to me, is this tornado mm -hmm. uh, dialogue. <laughs> um... So apparently this is from a an album of commercial it's like a comedy album full of commercial parodies and one of the people who made this album is Bob McFadden and I'll play the clip I'll play the full clip from that album because uh it's it's interesting the context so basically these are making fun of commercials It's a white tornado. Oh, look at it whirring around and spinning and everything. It's a white tornado. White tornado, my foot. That's a real tornado. Oh, you ain't in New York City, baby. You're in Kansas, and that thing means business. Run for your life. Oh, I'm sure you're wrong. I've seen them on television. It's a white tornado. They just come over to you and clean everything and simply do you get white tornado? So yeah, that's like a little, that's the whole track. So it's like a comedy sketch, but I, it's, I always found it to be like scary and weird. I don't find that funny at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't find it funny, but I do find it weird. I, th I thought for context, we should listen to- What's it a parody of? Yeah, so we did some research. So the white tornado, uh, this, so the tornado track on this comedy album is making fun of an Ajax commercial. This one's from 1970. Hi, say, could you- Careful, ma'am, I'm unleashing a white tornado. Ajax liquid. That's my cleaner. You use this powerful stuff around the house? Ajax is the only cleaner to use anywhere. Ajax is the one with more ammonia. This really does heavy-duty cleaning. You mean every-duty cleaning. Ajax liquid has more ammonia. Cleans like a white tornado. The joke of the comedy album is that this woman is happy to see a white tornado because it's like, oh, it cleans everything. And then the joke is that their house gets torn apart and they die because it's a real tornado. I wanted to play another track from that comedy album that Tornado is from, just to give more context. So this one's a little more clear what the joke is. Uh -huh. So Dave, tell me if you think this is funny. Now, Betty, your side? Our side brushed with splash toothpaste. And Betty, did you do anything special in your brushing habits? No, Mr. Announcer, we brushed as usual, 45 times a day. And? And our side had 36% fewer cavities. Well then, Betty, I imagine your side is very pleased with splash toothpaste. I don't know, sir. You see, I'm the only survivor. <laughs> I actually do think that's funny. Yeah, that was funny. And that's, I believe that's the same woman as in the tornado clip. Well, they should have punched up the tornado one more, I guess. I think the tornado one make, would make sense at the time. I maintain it's not funny. So that's what that's from. Now, something that's interesting about the guy who made this album, Bob McFadden, he is the voice of Frankenberry, <laughs> which we all should know from this.
I'm Frankenberry. I'm Frankenberry. I'm Frankenberry. I'm Frankenberry. So I thought that was a crazy thing. He was a voice actor. So that's the then that's that clip. Then the next sample that comes in is from so it's from the track Willie Chase, which is on the soundtrack for a movie Willie Dynamite, and the composer is JJ Johnson. Now if anyone out there saw the recent movie Dolomite is my name, mm. Willie Dynamite is a really similar kind of movie. It's a black exploitation movie. Uh, and I'll play you the trailer, which has the music that is in um, the Istanbul Brownsville remix. Mm. Willie D. Willie D. They call him Willie D. D for dude. He's got to be number one. D for devil. No one crosses Willie D. D for dynamite. Willie Dynamite. Why all the concern over a used up junkie? She your sister? Yeah, Willie. She's your sister too. So that sample is from the soundtrack of, of Willie Willy Dynamite from 1974. It looks like a pretty fun movie. Yeah, yeah. I would watch it. Okay, so the the next sample that, that happens is when the drums come in, and that's actually from a De La Soul song called Me, Myself, and I. Oh, I know that and song. And it's right at the beginning, so you could, yeah, yeah. you could hear this. You need to sample that. Yeah, you can just make it. But I guess yeah. the sampling, it's like part referencing it. It's being like, we like yeah. this. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons to sample something. Uh, I think the reference in and of itself is a reason. So there's that drum part. And it's funny because we mentioned De La Soul in our first Flood yeah. episode, Flood Part 1. Flansburg said that De La Soul album, I believe the same one this is on, it was a huge inspiration for them. So that kind of ties together. I don't, I don't know if that was on purpose because they didn't work on this remix. But that is interesting to me. So the next sample is the person yelling, this is a recording, which mm -hmm. happens over and over. That's from the song, <laughs> Got to Get a Nut. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. By New Birth. And let's hear that part too. odd bridge of this it's actually like a really long song it's mm. like seven or eight minutes long but there's like this strange part with a bunch of people saying stuff so got to get a nut is also 1974 so both the movie mm. and this is from 1974 what could it mean i i don't know this is a 
the next sample you hear in the song. So more deep into the song, you hear a sample from Kraftwerk, The Robots. So Kraftwerk is a, uh, do you know anything about Kraftwerk, Dave? They're German. They're German. German weirdos. Here and get used to it. They're very artsy. So the robots from 1978, Kraftwerk. So this is a crazy. <laughs> They're this, coming. This is a yeah, this is a crazy stew uh, that we're we're in. Yes, it is. Um, the next sample. How many I, samples are in this? This is, I think, the final one. But there might be stuff hidden deep down yeah. that we don't even know about. Um, this is kind of honestly what made me like this song more. Is uh -huh. just it's pretty creative. It's I, I think everything blends pretty well. That's true. It really is like a whole thing that, that works. Uh, so the next one is is from, it's a song called The Walk by the band The Time, and it's from 1982. And here's where that what that sample is. So the time, know, yeah, the time is famous. So the time, yeah, I'd never heard of them, but they're a band created by Prince. Yeah. That's how when you you know you're a popular band, you can just start creating bands <laughs> that you don't <laughs> do anything in. I don't know, I don't know anything about the time. To be honest, like we're not gonna go, we're not going into every single detail of all these samples because there's just too many. But I really just wanted to give a sense of what this song is made of. Uh, if it's tough enough, blood, and, blood and guts, and just like how I don't know, it, it's really interesting to me how all these things blend together. I did think there there is some slight like so some of it seems random, mm -hmm. but like saying like in in the tornado thing, saying you're not in New York City anymore, baby. Yeah, it's like okay, that song says like it's about being in Istanbul. It's not you know, <laughs> and it mentions New York in the song, so that does kind of fit. One thing I do wonder about this is who's doing the. Da, 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 I was wondering that too, honestly. That's, yeah, that's not a sample, I don't think, right? I think it's one of them pitched up. It, it's probably one of them pitched up. I wonder who that is. Maybe it's Daddy-O. <laughs> I don't know. Every, everything kind of works really well. I do think this is one of the more creative remixes. Yeah, I, I think it works. I mean, in my opinion, it works. Like when the Istanbul song comes in, mm -hmm. it to me, it doesn't seem too much like, what the hell? Like, it, I feel like it all kind of flows in a way. I mean... I guess it brings up a larger topic of like, what is the point of remixes? Yeah, I I don't know if you have a theory. I I really don't know. Like, do it doesn't get played on the radio? Hmm. Is it just for fun? Is there any? I guess it's just purpose? to explore the song more. 
Yeah, I mean, some remixes really turn the production inside out. We are like, oh, you can hear like that one, uh, the bass by itself and stuff, but this doesn't really do that. I mean, that. like the Joshua Freed remix, I think yeah. is like a totally different song. The Joshua you know? Freed remix is like a work of art in itself. And it, and it was, it has contributions from They Might Be yeah. Giants, which to me is like makes it as very relevant. It's a part two to the song. Yeah. I, I, I wonder what they think of this. Like yeah. they must have given it the a stamp of approval. Some of it does seem to reflect Flansburg's musical taste. Sure. Yeah. And it seems like something they would definitely, it seems, I, I think I could see Flansburg really enjoying this, but I, I don't know. They've never talked about this or mentioned it. Um, I, I, you know, I, I feel like when I got this EP when I was younger, I kind of didn't really pay much attention yeah. to this track though. The white tornado thing was like, did stick out a lot to me. Like actually when I re-listened again for this episode, I did get this weird wave of nostalgia. Like I remember That's being in my room, putting the Istanbul EP in a, in my stereo and being like, what is this? You know, it'd be nice to have a different song though. Yeah. Like a new song. Oh, oh, I agree. Another <laughs> B-side. Yes. Well, for sure. No, I definitely would not ever uh, want more remixes instead of uh, right. more original songs. But this is like as close to an original song as, as you get. I mean, it's, it's, well, because we're going to get into a couple more remixes that yeah. are not as exciting, in my uh, opinion. Well, you want, let's get into them. So, okay. So then... This is one of 57 remixes. Yeah. So they also put out this Istanbul vinyl uh, that had a couple more remixes. So there's the Istanbul, not Constantinople, Bedford-Stuyvesant mix. Mm-hmm. So there's not much to talk about with this one. Dave seems to be enjoying it, though. I was doing the drums. So it, these are by the same people, by the way, as far as I could tell from the... John and John? No, no. by Daddy-O and, and Eyeball Chris and- Shaw and Bobby Simmons. Yeah, because they're credited for all the tracks on this thing, except the Williamsburg mix. Uh, but so this is just a drum beat mm-hmm. and the vocals, <laughs> and that's it. So what do you guys think of this song? <laughs> is this a fun song? I mean, it's interesting to hear the vocals isolated. Mm-hmm. I'll give it that. All right. But it's it's definitely not as ambitious. As, uh, honestly, the, the Brownsville one kind of made spoiled me. Because it's it's it seems like they worked very hard on the Brownsville one. I mean, that's at least a few days in, in the studio. Mm-hmm. I think I don't know. And you know, back then before everything was computers, I imagine this must have been incredibly difficult to piece together. Now I have a theory about these song titles. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? Well, just can you say the other two real quick? So the the other two we're going to talk about is the Park Slope mix uh-huh. and Williamsburg mix. Now. Not everybody may know this, but these are all places in Brooklyn. That's right. And is Brownsville a place in Brooklyn? It is. So Brownsville, we right. should have maybe we solved said this the mystery. Way. Yeah. So Brownsville is is in Brooklyn. It's it looks like it's next to Crown Heights and East Flatbush. Thanks, Google Maps. <laughs> yeah. So all these Istanbul. <laughs> this, one of the Google results that comes up is this is the deadliest neighborhood in New York City. All right. <laughs> Uh-oh. That's a whoopsie. So Brownsville is one of New York City's deadliest neighborhoods. This is from 2019. Health okay, department so recently. <laughs> health, health department data shows. Oh my god. The next one is uh Park Slope Mix. Let's listen to that. Does that one cost more? <laughs> this is a recording. This, this is a recording. 
features that voice again yeah. prominently. So the Park Slope mix is a re- <laughs> this we're really getting deep. Park Slope mix is a remix of the Brownsville mix. <laughs> to to what end? I don't know. It's madness. I guess, I guess it's like even more removed from Istanbul. It's a little more atmospheric. There's more reverb on it. It's a little I don't know. There's like a spookiness quality to it. I honestly I wonder if the Park Slope mix was like a first draft of the Brownsville mm. mix or if. They had the Brownsville mix, and they're like, oh, why not just, like, go deeper? I don't know, Jordan. <laughs> well, you can really hear the separate samples. Yeah, very yeah. Very distinctly. Yeah, and it has a weird atmosphere. I mean, I kind of I kind of like it, actually. I, I kind of like this it's one. It's growing on me, too. It's kind of weird. <laughs> it's, it's really divorced from Istanbul, the song. It's almost like just a kind of thing you can jam out to uh, with your friends, you know, <laughs> at the beach. <laughs> Perfect beach. Um, the last one is Williamsburg Mix, which I will play a clip of. But as far as I can tell, this is the flood version. So you're playing Particle at Istanbul again. Yeah, so I, I, I think the I think it being called Williamsburg mix is a joke because that's where they, yeah. Flansburg and Linnell yeah, were living. Makes sense. So, but it is it did throw me to call it that. So points deducted for confusing your pal Jordan here. So those are the Istanbul remixes. Um, I hope you enjoyed our, our journey through that. There is one more rare weird uh, flood thing, and that is your racist friend Sampladelic remix. <laughs> Racist Friend Sampladelic Remix, uh, it, was, it was on a few weird things. It was on a promo for your racist friend. I guess promos are what's like sent to radio stations. They're not usually in stores, though I've certainly found a bunch of rare stuff in stores that are promos. And you kind of feel like you're finding a thing you're not supposed to have because it's not for, it says on it, like, not for retail. And you're like, yeah. So this was also on uh, a weird Electra release called Don't Let's Start. And it was a Don't Let's Start single, but all the B-sides were Flood songs. And they, they put this out to promote Flood. And it's actually kind Curious. of, it's actually has kind of cool cover art. Um the cover art is a uh, it features the robot Metal Mickey from a 1980s UK television show called Metal Mickey. Number one. 
So yeah, I don't know if, if John and John made this cover art or if Electro just kind of did mm. this themselves or whatever. He was like, ah, oh, they like robots. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, Mickey Dolan's from The Monkees apparently was brought in to produce and direct the series, which is interesting. Uh, the yeah. last thing about Metal Mickey, his catchphrase was boogie boogie. That's my catchphrase. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you're back. And his favorite stole that from me. <laughs> his favorite treats were atomic thunderbusters. Boogie boogie is like not a catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, wuzzle wuzzle. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the the most interesting thing about the sample of deluxe remix is that it's made by the the two guys from D Light. Now, Dave, ah! <laughs> do you do you know D Light? Yeah, my wife likes D Light. Oh, really? Uh, one of their songs played at our wedding. Which one? Uh, I forget. So I'll I actually, know it when I hear it. So Flansburg, I don't know if it's this is Flansburg's doing, but he's actually... Oh, Groove is in the Heart. Yeah, Groove is in... Well, Groove is in the Heart is their one-hit wonder single. Yeah. I actually have a clip of Flansburg talking about Delight and about uh, how they should have had another hit. And mm-hmm. let's, let's listen to what he says. Groove is in the Heart. To me, the biggest example of like a, a band that could have you know, easily have been a two-hit wonder rather than a one-hit wonder was Delight. Um, there's a, there was a song on their album uh, called Good Beat that kind of had, it was a, sort of a housey kind of sounding track, which in its moment was actually a little bit ahead of its time. And it was extraordinarily catchy. But the truth is, and this is sort of like, circles back to maybe like a small man theory of, of history, which is to say that like, Personal interactions can can weigh into events just as much as you know what seem like you know bigger uh, concerns. I think that they they blew up so fast and were like so complicated to work with as a band that they just lost a lot of their allies at the label and. I think I think they uh, people were just like ah Groove is in the heart's great but you know they're not they're not gonna you know play the game so next so Flansburg talks about the song he really likes by D Light called Good Beat and I think we should check it out and see if it's as good as he says or if he's totally wrong. <laughs> seems awkward. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to crap on D-Light. I, I'm not crazy about this song. It seems like kind of a weird chorus to me. It seems like it's like this halting thing. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it kind of gets infectious. Maybe you got to get used to it. So this Racist Friend remix, which, I, you know, I don't find particularly exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, again, the Brownsville one kind of spoiled me, and so did the Joshua Freed one. When I think remix, like, I, I want it to be like some crazy fun thing, you know? Uh, this is just a drum beat and John and John singing race fan. There's a couple little elements. Apparently there's a, there's guitar sample is from taken as it says on the wiki, by the way, thank you to the wiki for uh, having a lot of this. Thank you. Uh, so there's a guitar sample in the racist friend thing taken from the song tippy toes by the meters. All right. Tippy toes. Let's listen to tippy toes.
Oh yeah, that is the sample. But especially for the ladies. I do like the middle of the song. Mm-hmm. There's a breakdown that has a cool, this kind of reminds me of soul coughing actually, that sample. There's like this cool horn sample. I'm not sure what it is, but I, you know, I like when a remix kind of becomes its own thing. I think that's what a good remix does. This is a weird release. It's really obscure. We're going to close the book on <laughs> these songs now. So, Dave, uh, those, hey Jordan, those are the those are the B sides on Flood, not on Flood. They're off of Flood. <laughs> uh, any any final thoughts? I really like Stormy Pinkness. I really like Ant. Yeah, I think Stormy Pinkness is like the the beating heart yeah. of that EP. I like the other version of uh, James K. Polk a lot. Yeah, me too. You know what my analysis is? I got no problems with these songs. <laughs> Good. <laughs> they walking down the street, they're fine with me. So, folks, we're at the end of this episode. Thanks for listening and tuning in. If you want to email us, you can do so at don'tletstartpodcast at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at don'tletspod. You can also listen to the show on iTunes and rate us. Give us the old uh, five-star hello. And that's going to be it for all of us. So now, Dave, I'm going to turn off all my equipment and kick you out of my apartment. Yes. Set me thanklessly free. There's an ant crawling up your back in the nighttime. There's an ant crawling up your back in the nighttime. But you think that's okay while you're sleeping. That ant crawled in your head in the nighttime. That ant crawled in your head in the nighttime. But you think that's okay while you're sleeping. Someday that ant, he will grow up to be president. Someday that and he will grow up to be president. But you think that's okay while you're sleeping. The man ransack your house in the nighttime. The man ransack your house in the nighttime. And you think that's okay while you're sleeping. Edit.